0: To Trek Companion. I'm your host, Brian Williams. And I am Adam Caesar. And uh, this is episode 158, our holiday 2016 special, our annual holiday special. Woohoo!
1: Yay, 2016. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad to see you. (laughs) Don't don't let the door hit you (laughs) on the butt on the way out. I was just talking to somebody recently, except for the Cubs, it's been kind of a, I'll say (laughs) politely, it's been an unusual year.
0: Yeah, so so in, in 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 a few minutes we're gonna I'm gonna play you a conversation that I had with um, Dominic and uh, Brian um uh, uh, the other Brian, same guys that joined us last year when we did our Force Awakens discussion. The three of us recorded a conversation shortly after we saw Rogue One, and the whole thing's gonna be full of Rogue One and tons of Rogue One spoilers. Um, I will remind you about that again in a minute. But before we do that. Uh, uh sorry, Steve couldn't make it tonight. Holiday stuff, of course, um, family. Um how dare he? Yeah, family. Dare are you he? kidding?
1: Yeah. And I'm sorry, I, I couldn't I couldn't make the next conversation you guys are gonna hear because I didn't see the movie in time.
0: But you've seen it you've seen it now? You <laughs> yes, I've s i yesterday?
1: have seen it. I have seen it. I saw it yesterday actually. Um so it was yeah. Wednesday. I saw it on Tuesday. Kinda of strange
0: no spoilers i'm gonna i'm gonna give people a spoiler announcement before our big discussion but do you have any non-spoiler thoughts on it
1: i liked it i wouldn't say i was blown away by the movie but i did like it i kind of it was um an interesting concept i mean obviously this is the first movie that kind of goes away goes away from the you know the main you know i guess what was it what would you call it the timeline or the main storyline of you know the skywalkers so Mm -hmm. um yeah i would say i liked it but um I um I probably wasn't as emotionally invested as I was say um last year that I kind of felt it you know but it was good I did enjoy it I thought it was a good movie
0: yeah I think I felt the same way you know I I I, I enjoyed Force Awakens more you know some of that it's one thing I wanted to talk about real quick you know I I love movies you know I I get very excited and it, and it you know. Sometimes the hype it's it's okay, you know, for the hype to kind of creep into that a little bit and for that to shadow your opinion a little bit. I think that's actually fine. That's you know, that's part of the fun of 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 film. Um but you know, at some point that stuff falls away and what you've got left
1: is the film you're watching.
0: You know, yeah, and it's and it's it's usually more interesting to me to kind of go back and see how i feel about the movie later there there's a reason like if you ask me for my top 10 favorite movies of all time i would have a very hard time putting anything from like the last 15 years in that list even though i don't know I, i'm still nutty 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 about uh, mad max uh, fury road but i couldn't possibly imagine putting that it's just too it's just too near it's too hard it's too close it's too hard for me to be completely objective which is what i feel like i have to do
1: do you think think we're just getting too old brian is that what it is
0: (laughs) (laughs) i'm bringing this up because um i've noticed like i I remember our star trek into darkness discussion we all felt like it it was good you know but we had some problems with it and i think over time the hype's fallen away a little and i i do not hate that movie by any stretch of the imagination i still think it's a I still think as out of context like just completely by itself I still think it's a good movie.
1: It's an entertaining movie. It's I'll it's it entertaining.
0: That. I think it's the highest production value that Star Trek's ever had and frankly I can't imagine it having another higher. I can't imagine ever seeing Star Trek with better production value in my lifetime. I mean it felt like Star Wars or something. You know, even Star Trek Beyond was a little bit less than Star Trek Into Darkness. But you know the kind of reasons that Into Darkness has faded a little bit for me. Are the kind of fundamental things about, like, whenever I look at it in context of Star Trek, some of the things they did with the story and with the characters and things like that. Those are the things that, in in the context of Star Trek, uh, are are issues and problems that I had, and that that have gotten more extreme over time. That's my point, specifically with Into Darkness. And um, we're what six months out now from Beyond, almost and we've had our home video release so i've had a chance to watch it a couple more times that way and i still feel pretty good about beyond i mean i think it's i think it's really fun
1: yeah it holds up better for me too
0: i think those issues that i've had that have gotten more extreme over time with into darkness i don't see i don't see those as, as being things in beyond because i think beyond does a very good job with with the characters and as far as the things that I want them to do and, and, and living in the whole story, living within the star Trek universe, you know, the issues that I had with it are, I'm always going to have with it, but I, I don't think it's going to lessen over time. I think it's still going to be a fun, a fun romp for me.
1: Well, yeah, for, um, for hardcore star Trek fans like um ourselves, um, I've always, um I've always described um, Into Darkness as a really fun and entertaining film good film but not a very good Star Trek film and I think um Beyond was a far better Star Trek film
0: yeah it's a much more eloquent way of of putting it than I just did (laughs) (laughs) yeah and usually you know that's that's usually the way it goes as far as I'll like a movie more and then over time I could if anything I could like it less it doesn't usually happen the other way because honestly if I didn't like it the first time I'm probably not going to give it another chance right that's that's pretty rare um I tend to try and see movies super, you know, as as early as I can because I don't want I don't want anything spoiled by other people, but also I I don't want my opinions to be I I clouded. Like I take I take I take my movie watching incredibly seriously, I guess. Yeah. Like I don't listen to I'm a movie nut, you know. I work I work in the industry. I think about movies all the time. I don't listen to any movie podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts, but none of them are movies or analyzing movies or talking about movies because, I mean, I listen to a couple where it's like screenwriters talking about structure, but that's a different kind of thing, you know. But as far as like movie critiques and reviews, I don't listen to those kind of podcasts because I, I just feel so strongly. I always do. And I feel so
1: secure. <laughs> you never listen to one like even, even after the fact. I mean, I might um, I'll yeah, never I listen to one before a movie, but I might catch mm-hmm. one after just to kind of see... I don't know. Yeah, I mean
0: that's a, that's a good point. That's a little bit different. Sometimes I sometimes I might I might read certain reviewers after I've formed my own opinion completely. Right. But at any rate, this is the main reason. Th- these are the reasons I try to see movies, I you know, as early as possible. Like be- between my wife and my job, we could see a lot of movies for free if we were willing to see them a week or two late. And for the most part, I don't do that. For the most part, I pay <laughs> to see them like on Thursday night because I right. don't want to wait. Right. I don't want to be. I don't want to be spoiled. I don't want to have, hear other people's opinions about it until I've formed my own. Um. So, um,
1: real quick, how did you feel about Rogue One?
0: Uh, I, I liked it. I thought it was. I thought it was good. I thought. I thought the story was okay. Slight spoiler here, but not really. You know, the story was a bit linear. Yeah, um, and that made it maybe just a little bit uh, boring. The first time, <laughs> um, up until the end, which is very, very exciting. Yeah. But the second time I saw, I saw it a second time, and the second time I saw it, I didn't, I didn't feel. I mean, that the the linear narrative didn't bother me as much. Um, there, the, I think it, uh, I think it's a, I think it's a very good movie. Um, I did not, I did not enjoy it as much as Force Awakens. But getting back to you know my 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 point here, I kind of wonder how much Force my love for Force Awakens was the excitement of, you know, big Star Wars movie, first one in almost a decade or no in a decade. Yeah. And bringing them back, these actors and JJ's involved. And, you know, there was so many reasons to be crazy hyped, excited for that movie, um, that I'm sure that filtered it a bit. And I, I watched it right when it came out on Blu-ray, but I haven't watched it since. So.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I've seen it a couple times. Yeah. Um, I've actually seen, um, Rogue One twice. Um, <laughs> um, I kind of felt like it took a while to kind no, of get spoilers it. now no spoilers I kind of felt like the first half of the movie kind of drug kind of was
0: kind yeah that's I guess that's probably what I was talking about
1: too yeah um uh, I've seen it twice too I saw it yesterday and um, I saw it a week I saw it a little less than a week ago and honestly I, it's not that I wasn't entertained by the movie but I actually fell asleep for a little while in the first half yeah <laughs> But I, I, it was um, been a long night before. So, um, holidays. So, um, yeah, I fell asleep for a little bit, but yeah, I kept watching it a second time. Yeah. The first half, I kind of feel kind of drags. It takes a little while. It's interesting. There's a lot going on in the first half, setting it up all the different planets and hierarchy and everything that's going on. Um, I kind of would have liked, um, I think I would have liked more character development instead of just all the, you know, just kind of the political nuance, but um but the second half of the movie is great the visuals are incredible it's so cool to see um the death star um you know eclipsing the sun and you know coming out of the you know off the the horizon on another planet so the visuals are incredible the battle scenes are it's it's star wars so you know you're going to get top notch effects and space battle scenes and that kind of thing um i think probably my my one complaint about it is I don't feel like I was really that invested in any of the characters.
0: Yeah. That's something that came up in our,
1: I was more excited to see Vader and, you know, yeah. um, yeah, The
0: character issue is definitely something that we discussed in, um, in our conversation. Uh, Speaking of um, the characters and the actors, uh, when we recorded our conversation, that was prior to the, the conversation that you're about to hear in a moment. That was prior to, uh, the news about Carrie Fisher—that was before she even had her incident on the plane. So sad. Yeah, and and of course now we we know that she has she has died.
1: I mean, I think I can speak for all of us. Our hearts and prayers go out to their family. You know, we just—I mean, we're going to date this, but we just heard about Debbie Reynolds too. It's just it's so very sad. So our our hearts and prayers go out to their family and friends and those close to them. It's very sad. Yeah, you
0: know. yeah, it's it really. You know, I I'm trying to remember. I mean, I never really met her. I saw her at different conventions and things over the years, but I guess the last time I saw her was, gosh, was it Star Wars Celebration in L.A.? Was that like March or April of two thousand fifteen? So a year and a half ago. Wow. I think I don't think I saw her anything this
1: year. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I, I, I've never I've never come across Carrie Fisher in my days. I did read though that she had completed filming of Episode eight back in July so it'll be interesting to see how they're gonna they're gonna rewrite anything for this next movie coming out or if they're just gonna deal with it in the in the final episode nine
0: yeah yeah I hate that that was that wasn't my first thought but it was one of my first thoughts and I don't know, maybe that's slimy. I didn't mean it to be slimy. I no, I mean, I, I, I brought it up. There. So
1: you're, you're not the slimeball, <laughs> I'm the one who brought it up. Even after
0: I heard about her, you know, within an hour, that that thought was in my head and I felt bad. But I'm sure a lot of other people had the same concern.
1: Well, I man, re- I mean, you know, I did a lot of reading about her and, I'm, and you know, I'm, I knew a little bit about Carrie, you know, beforehand. But, you know, obviously, you know, you go through and you read a lot of all the different works that she's been doing. She's an incredible writer and she's been mm-hmm. incredibly busy you don't see her on screen near as much but she does a lot of a lot of writing writes a lot of books scripts you know and she does like you know the occasional tv series here and there and obviously star wars so i mean even though you don't see her near as much on screen um, incredibly gifted talented woman who did a great many things beyond just being princess leia
0: so she will definitely uh, she will definitely be missed
1: i remember um so about a month ago i was actually watching um blues brothers and flipping through the channels and oh yeah yeah <laughs> i
0: always remember that her name is not in the credits right i don't think it. i don't think she's that her name's actually there. but she was awesome in that movie she's yeah, not I mean, in it for long but you remember her
1: yeah for sure well she's trying to kill um <laughs> john yeah. belushi the whole movie that on um second city chicago put a nice picture of the um her belushi and um dan Aykroyd up hmm. from the movie it was a nice it was a nice photo cool you have a good Christmas? I did. did have a good Christmas. I'm about to be over. I'm in Texas right now. For you Texas fans out there, I'm heading back to Chicago tomorrow. So, yeah, it's been a, been a good time.
0: Good you going to do anything good cool Christmas.
1: for New Year's? I don't know. Maybe sleep. I don't know. Catch up on sleep. You know, no plans as of this moment in time, but we'll see what happens. I'm, I don't know. I think – I don't even – you tell me, Brian. I don't. I think the older you get, the less you are excited about New Year's Eve. It's kind of like, hmm, do I really want to go out, and <laughs> that's what or should I just stay home and have a beer and watch a cool movie instead? So that might be my New Year's Eve plans.
0: All right, folks. Um, you know, I don't think we're going to be back after you hear this Rogue One conversation. So I, uh, Adam and I, on behalf of Steve as well, are going to bid you a fond farewell to 2016 and I hope you enjoy the Rogue One conversation that is about to begin again it is going to be loaded with spoilers so if you have not seen Rogue One you should stop the podcast right
1: now I'm looking forward to listening to it as well so all
0: right so hey Caesar happy holidays dude happy
1: holidays guys I hope everybody had a great happy Christmas and uh, even better you have a better new year here's to 2017
0: all right thanks bye guys bye (laughs) All right, so here we are. Of course, I'm your host, Brian Williams, and I am joined by Dominique Nardi and Brian McCaughey. Hey, guys, how you doing? Good, how you doing? Really good, thanks. Yeah, uh, I I really enjoyed, um, I guess it was, it was gosh, it was a year ago, right, that we did uh, Force Awakens. <laughs> Man, I guess there's going to be one the Star Wars movie every year now. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, they say at least until 2020, but... Uh, as long as the money keeps coming in, I'm sure we're going to get more than that. Um, all right, so now Brian and I... Uh, yes, folks, if that's confusing, but there are two Brian's in this conversation. Uh, Brian and I saw it together. Yeah, uh, We saw it together on Thursday night, and then... Uh, we're talking about Star Wars Rogue One now. <laughs> and then, Brian, you took your family to see it. A, you saw it a second time on Sunday in IMAX. Okay, cool. And I saw it a second time in... Um, Dolby cinema 3d and and Dom um, what nights did you do you see it once which night
2: I saw it opening night on Thursday and I actually it was 2d I actually haven't seen it again I I'm waiting for family and we're all gonna go together so I've only seen it once
0: what was your initial reaction Dom I mean what was kind of the f- first feeling you had from this movie
2: uh, so overall very good I don't know if, I don't know how many people remember what I had said about the force awakens back um uh last year but i think expectations played a big role in my reaction to force awakens and expectations played a big role with um rogue one i came into this movie really not expecting very much and i thought it just turned out to be a very fun movie whereas i think with force awakens i had very high expectations and they weren't always met so you know i have a bit of trouble saying objectively if rogue one is a great movie but i definitely enjoyed it
0: my initial reaction was um, that it's a it's a very fun movie, um, surprisingly good considering, you know. Um, okay, I'll just say my my butt is that, <laughs> you know that it that it is kind of linear and that I think the mm-hmm. characters were, I don't know, flat and forgettable. Um, but you know, like one of, one of the things I was I was just. I think that, yeah, I was texting you this today, Brian. You know, I was thinking about like Fantastic Beasts. You know, so this is another scenario where there's there's an existing IP and a beloved film franchise, and uh, they want to keep it going. So they just, all right, let's come. What, what can we come up with? You know, let's make another movie. You know, and um, Fantastic Beasts is kind of a crappy movie. I mean, it's not very good. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I don't have any. I don't have any interest to ever. You know probably watch that again and i'm certainly a lot less excited about future fantastic beast movies um but here's an example where you know they made this thing up whole cloth and it's it's good this is a good movie um i think you could probably say objectively that um you know maybe it's it's better it for me it was the least fun that I've had watching a Star Wars movie, even if I can objectively say it's probably better than, say, the prequels, that's just, as I've talked about before on our podcast here, um, I love those movies, and mm-hmm. whether or not I think they're objectively good movies is a totally separate conversation. You know, I don't think that this movie is, the, is as, as easy to watch or as much fun as those movies, but that is kind of a different um, conversation.
2: Well, you know, maybe it might be worth backing up a bit because you know you talked about some of the, the risks involved in this movie and how it's different. And it just, just for listeners who maybe aren't as savvy about what's going on, it might be worth kind of emphasizing that because this is the first, the first Star Wars standalone movie, the first Star Wars movie, movie without a Skywalker, without a John Williams soundtrack, without all, without an opening crawl.
0: But I'm gonna push back against that. So I know that's like the prevailing wisdom, and I know that's the purpose here and 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 there's logic to what you're saying however is it really that standalone it's so based on the star wars universe it's so based on the immediate moments before a new hope it's so in in every way every time that i got a smile on my face watching this movie it had something to do with another movie Hmm. you know what i mean yeah Yeah. if this had been a prequel (laughs) yeah (laughs) they don't want to say
3: it this is a prequel it's a star wars prequel
0: uh so from that from that point of view i have a hard time accepting that it's a standalone movie mm-hmm. you know fantastic beast was was way more of a standalone movie than in the, in the potter universe than than this is in the strong wars universe but mm-hmm.
3: i think i think you're bringing up fantastic beasts is, is really awesome because it it reminds me that that you know if the studio controls it they if the studio controls the property they can take the property in a direction that fans want to go and 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 That's not what's happening at Warner Brothers right now. Is that students not own that property and they can't do anything with it that J.K. Rowling doesn't want to do. Mm. What what interests her is going off and seeing this other guy, you know, find the beasts in New York. And it now isn't necessarily, I think, where the fans wanted it to go. And Star Wars, you know, for a long time was going in the direction that its creator wanted to see it go. And it wasn't necessarily where the fans wanted to go. So I think. What's unique about this film is that you're really seeing the ultimate fan film made by fans for fans going exactly where they want it to go, yeah. which is pretty awesome.
0: There, there are so many moments that, that are that are exactly what you're saying there. Like I remember right after the movie, I think the first thing I said to you, Brian, I turned to you and I said, oh, my God, we got to see Vader be a <laughs> badass. Yeah. We never saw. We've never seen that Vader yeah. We've no, heard about no. them. We we thought that that of course that was around, but we never yeah. got to see that Vader. We never did, and we totally yeah. saw it. We saw yeah. it for three minutes, but it was incredible, you know. And I think that's that's what you're talking about, like fans exactly what they wanted right there.
3: And I and I've seen tons. I've read tons of books and comic books or whatnot where Vader is portrayed as being in a castle somewhere, you know. And even mm-hmm. some of these early drafts of Empire Strikes Back, Darth Vader's in a castle somewhere. Mm-hmm. Now that we've already been you know treated to the volcano planet now to see him in the castle on the volcano planet as has always been discussed was, was really cool too
2: i I don't disagree in term with you but at the same time I, you know, I do think that, that before this film there would have been very real questions about you know what is star wars you know what is do you need do you need jedi for star Wars no jedi in this movie and uh that, the one guy Chiru Imwe, was kind of kind of talking with the force but he's not a jedi you know no lightsabers um so I think you know, I, I think if you had asked, had asked a lot of people two years ago, they would have said, yeah, you know, you need Jedi for a Star Wars movie. That's, that's key. And so I, I don't, I think that there were some, you know, and I think also the fact that, I don't know if, not, probably, uh, we'll maybe not talk about the ending right now, but the ending was much darker than most Star Wars movies. Um yeah, so I think there were some things that are quite different um, about uh, Rogue One compared to any of the other Star Wars movies. And I, I, you know, I, there were, I think, I do think there were some very real risks, you know, despite the fan service, despite seeing Vader again and getting uh, the fans getting a lot of what they wanted. Um, you know, this, I don't think, I don't think it was quite as easy as say, you know, this just, ju- it's, this isn't just fan service. I guess that's what I would say. It's not Rogue One isn't just fan service. I think it's doing more.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it, it kind of going along with that too, is the idea that you're absolutely right. This was incredibly risky, um, for them, uh, I don't th- I, people can probably take that for granted. Oh, of course Star Wars, you know. Mm-hmm. But you know what? It didn't have to be good.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: They wanted to make a good movie here. Yeah. You know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um and they were willing to take the kind of risks like I saw a little a tweet or something from um, uh, what's his name, Gary Whitta, the the book of Eli video game guy that that co-wrote mm-hmm. the story on this. And he was talking about mm-hmm. um their initial drafts of the script they had Urso uh live because they yep. honestly, they just thought Disney would never go for everybody dies. <laughs> you know, they didn't think Disney would go for like the, the Titanic ending. Um, but obviously they did. So it was a risky movie and inside that risky movie, they took risks mm-hmm. and, and they didn't have to. Um, but the one, here's a question. I know this is a crazy hypothetical that might be an impossible question, but if there was no such thing as Star Wars and this movie came out, if there had never been another Star Wars movie, if this was, if this movie came out, can I mean how I mean aside from the fact that we would all be in, incredibly blown away by all the design, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, would you feel the same way about it? I mean, it, and maybe that's not even a fair question. But what I'm, t- I guess, what I'm trying to get at is, does this movie exist enough on its own to be, um. Uh, you know, analyzed on its own, or to to get a fair shake by itself. I don't think mm-hmm. anything
3: can. I don't think anything can. Yeah. I think even even Civil War is an awesome film. And I don't think anybody would be like, well, if you just made Civil War and it was two different characters and you knew nothing about the universe that it could. I, I just can't even put myself in a place to judge something like that. You'd literally have to be looking. The only thing I think can hold up to something like that would probably be like The Dark Knight or a great film like that. I think, yeah. and, but not much else. Mm-hmm.
2: I think we might get a better answer to that question with one of the other standalone films, like maybe a Han Solo standalone or, mm. but this rogue one was tied to a very specific plot point in a new hope. So it's, it, it, it the, the film is not meant to be consumed without that context. Um, the other thing I was thinking though too, is because um, one of the, one of the, one of you, Brian's mentioned the character, the characters and, um, that's an issue, but at the same time I was, I was trying to think back to a lot of the, the war movies I've seen, and you know, something like Saving Private Ryan I mean, I can't tell you anything about the is the other characters in um, Tom Hanks' squad I, I don't remember the, the first thing about them, you know, We Were Soldiers Yeah, but I can tell you about Tom Hanks' character uh, Yeah, but I, I, I would consider the Tom Hanks character to be, to be more like a Jin Erso, you know, the main character in Rogue One Gr- Granted, there might be issues with the characterization, but like, I don't I don't necessarily think this was a film that needed the, each character to be to receive as much depth as I would expect in the episodes. Like Luke Skywalker, Ray, you know, those are character stories. the The episode, the episodic Star Wars movies are basically Shakespeare, Shakespearean character dramas. I just I didn't I didn't feel that need. Basically, Rogue One, you need to get to know the characters just enough to care about them before they go into battle and possibly die.
0: There is a little bit more to it than that. Um, for example, Finn in Force Awakens. Yeah. There isn't much to his character, but I love his character and I mm-hmm. really understand him. Yeah, um, I think that what we got about Finn in Force Awakens was probably as deep, if maybe even less so, than we got about... Cassian, right? i mm-hmm. I seen his name correctly? In yeah. in this movie, but mm-hmm. I didn't feel anything
3: for Cassian in this
0: movie. Mm.
3: Cassian Andor is the one I have the biggest problem with because he shoots, uh, you know, innocent people. He shoots people that are helping him. Mm-hmm. He shoots his contact in the beginning. He shoots. Uh, he shoots one of the uh, people who's fighting against the Empire during that kind of staged yeah. uh, uh, outbreak. And I'm just. It's he's very confusing you know it's hard to feel anything for that character you know yeah i'm not sure
0: he ever comes that first that first scene that we see him Mm -hmm. and he shoots the informant um i don't i mean i understand that they're trying to give us a sense of you know this guy does anything for the rebellion so he has somewhere to kind of go in the scene when he doesn't kill uh galen
2: yeah but
0: I don't know. I, I felt like kind of like he never really came back from there. And, and I just, I don't know. I just never, I didn't dislike him or anything yeah. like that. I just never, I just never felt anything for him. And you know, when, when at the, at the end, whenever he's about to die, I didn't feel anything for him or honestly, even, even Jen. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm not trying to bag too much on it. I think this is a good movie and I like this movie and I'm certain I'm going to be watching this movie for the rest of my life. But these are the things that held me back. You're hitting on
3: something important though. Cause if you know, if, if, uh if Aldo the Apache did that same move in Inglorious Bastards, it would have been awesome. You know what I mean? <laughs> you would have totally felt for him. But Gale, but but uh, but Cassian Andor had not. You had not won you over. Instead, he just looked like, oh, that was that was really a jerk thing to do. You know, he killed this innocent yeah. guy that was giving him information. It, it never sat well with me.
2: I was okay with it not sitting well with me, but I do agree that the the, the film tries to suggest that there's a redemptive arc, and it doesn't do enough to show that. Like I like I love the fact that we see the rebellion engaging in these sorts of tactics and killing killing informants, but if you want to end the film with Cassian Andor, you know, being a quote unquote good guy or a hero, you need to show him actually changing, and that that just you know he didn't he had a bit of a relationship with Jene or so, but it wasn't strong enough to convince me that he's going to spare her father just for her.
3: Yeah, when he when he spared her, that should have been a great moment. It should have been yeah. really powerful and redemptive. And I didn't necessarily buy it.
2: So yeah, I agree with that definitely.
0: Yeah, I don't know what it says about the movie when the char- character that I enjoyed the most by far was probably you know the robot that was a that was a side character, K2SO. I, he was great.
2: Yeah.
0: Alan two uh, Tudyk. Tudyk, yes, we all we all love him. Um, I've got my. Uh, my sculpt of Sonny from iRobot sitting right next to me as I, as I record here. <laughs> um, so I I did love that character. Um, and I, and I found him well-written in that he was, he had just the right lines to make him feel unique and kind of different from other Star Wars characters I could think of. Chirrut and Baze, am I getting their names right? This, um, yeah, those Baze Malbus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was something interesting there. I know, Brian. You were you thought it was really cool that they made that reference to uh, I've already forgotten the obscure reference. They... The Wills.
3: The Wills. Keepers of the Wills.
0: I mean, that that's cool stuff, um, of course. And and I do like that he was he was uh, Chirrut was just different enough. You know, he wasn't he wasn't a Jedi. There was there was like a Western feel, like especially that first scene. That felt like a Kurosawa thing when he when he's kind of walking the first time, the first fight scene he has when he kind of walks out there. I I enjoyed the way that. That scene kind of looked it, it, in the placement of the movie. Some of those, some of those scenes, I have issues with that we might get to. But um, I did feel a little bit like, he, again, the character didn't really have much to really do. I mean, even even okay, let's take the moment kind of when when he dies. Like he sacrifices himself for a reason, right? He he does get out there and like flip that switch. Too bad he didn't have the force; so that would have been much easier. <laughs> Um so he flips that switch, and now we have the connection to the communication thing, right okay, fine, but then his buddy bays i i I don't understand what he did. He just kind of comes out and he starts i am the with the force and the force am one the yeah. force force with me, and he just starts walking until he sacrifices him for what reason
3: or sacrifice himself for what reason I Kill a couple of death troopers, and that's it. I didn't really get that. It might have been good if 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 um if he completed half the task like he pushed it but he didn't push it all the way and then this other guy had to come out and finish the task you know that would have been better and then he died you know
2: mm. you know i actually um read an interesting theory about those two online and this has been hinted at by the director gareth edwards so take it for what he will but there's been some suggestion that um baze and shiru were homosexual and that they were in a relationship and so, um, basically, when Chiru was killed, Baze is basically just coming out, like, on a, you know, just out of desperation and, and grief, um, sacrificing himself. Um, you know, because, you know, again, take it for what he will, but... Who said that? It was a fan theory online, and Gareth Edwards was asked about it, and he was, like, you know, basically said, yeah, it's open to interpretation. You know their relationship. Okay. So it's not confirmed, but.
3: Okay.
0: One thing I actually liked in this movie is that there are no relationships. There are no romantic relationships. Yeah. Even the end, when it would have been easy for. Yeah. Um, Cassian and Jin to like kiss on the beach, there as They're dying. They didn't do that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I actually, I, I found that um, satisfying for this film. Yeah. If they
3: had thrown that in there, I would have. I would have been disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: really yeah. Would have
3: just. just there's no arc there for that. I mean,
0: they're they're sharing a moment. You know, they've they've come to something together, but it's not. Yes. That's not romantic. It doesn't. And, and you know, I think it also kind of weakens that. You know, um. I'm mean, you know, Finn Finn, Finn or uh, Ray was stronger, yeah, uh, for. Standing alone in a way in, in Force Awakens. So. Um. We got to talk about Mads Mikkelsen for a 2nd Mm-hmm. The guy with the greatest name in modern cinema. (laughs) I'll take him over Benedict Cumberbatch any day. Um, But that's just me for his name. Um, I actually, I liked his character. Again, there's not much to it, but here's the kind of thing we're talking about. You know, you compare it to, say, I don't know, Cassian, maybe, or even anybody else. Uh, He has probably as much to do. he, He and Jen, they have a little bit more backstory, obviously, than anybody else. But... I was, I was thinking, wondering, like, so why did I seem to, why did he speak to me more? And, of course, it's because it's Mads Mikkelsen. He's such an amazing actor. And maybe Edwards isn't, I mean, he's, he's you know, he's a fine director, but you can't really pick out, his movies were, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I'm remembering me wrong, but he did Monsters and Godzilla?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. Very, very well crafted films, but not, not movies that you remember for the acting so much, unless you just had one person like, like Bryan Cranston, that's just so amazing that he doesn't need a good, uh, actor's director. Yeah. You know, I don't know, maybe I'm overanalyzing this here, but I, the point is I like the character and the, and I felt something for him. And maybe some of that had to do with, um, you know, a guy that brings a lot to his roles, even if he doesn't have a lot of lines. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I also I was I was very excited. I I, I tried to stay away from stuff. I mean, I watched the first couple of trailers. The first yeah. I think I watched the first two and then after that's it. I didn't watch any other trailers, I didn't watch T V spots, I didn't read anything. So I didn't know Jimmy Smith's was was back as Bail Organa. So that put a big smile on my face. I think I said to you, Brian, uh, anything they can do to continue to, to further legitimize the prequels. I'm all for.
3: <laughs> yeah. I like, I like seeing, I like seeing Jimmy Smith's in there too. And more than more so than I did in, in episode three. So yeah, I think this is a good, a good place for him to be. What you were saying about Magic Mickelson, I think he's awesome. And I think he's good in the movie. And he's a guy that you give any dialogue to, and he makes it sound profound. Um, I like his, his his scenes in the beginning I like the hologram scene with him his his death scene it um, the whole the whole thing that happens on that planet which i think is called edu where the
2: mm-hmm.
3: where the where he is and stuff like, i found I keep feeling like I think you could just take that whole sequence out and make the room movie run a little bit because it's really just a place where it just seems if like he can die you know mm-hmm. so I think you could put that somewhere else put that scene somewhere else or have kind it of take place another way and just kind of pick up the pace, but
0: yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, that that's structurally that's my my complaint about the movie, is that you know it's very linear. It's here's our group of people. We're going to go to this planet. Now mm-hmm. our group of people goes to this planet. Now our group of people goes to this planet. You know, and then um, you kind of feel ahead of it. Now, obviously, in this movie, we know gonna, two, two, wait, wait, what's going to the
3: two two what's annoying though about it a little bit is that the, two or three of those locations they're there at the same time as Orson Krennic, like right before or right after or right during. So it's almost as if two groups of people keep traveling to the same place too, which is kind of funny.
0: Yeah. Makes again, makes it feel, makes it, makes it slow down a little bit because you, I mean, even that scene when they go to Edo, you know, they're going to go to Scarif. Yeah. You know, they're going to get there. (laughs) So there's, there's a part of me that's just like ready for that, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But again, Mads gives it so much weight that as long as I'm seeing him and hearing him, it's not bothering me too much.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, By the way, side note, I don't know if you guys read this, but Edwards said specifically that Edu was his own little reference to LV-426. Hmm.
3: Yeah, I see it. Which
0: okay. I read that before I saw it my second time, and then when I was watching the second time, I'm like, oh yeah, this is totally, <laughs> this is totally. I'd,
3: I'd like to, I'd like to find out whether or not that the the flashback sequence where you see, Mads Mikkelsen, he's dressed in the imperial garb, and he's, yeah. and there's sort of a celebration going on. I would love to know that that's Corson. I kept looking out the windows more than I was looking at the characters just to see anything flying around there because I was really hoping that was Corson.
0: Yeah, yeah, I had I had that same thought too. Like, I wonder mm-hmm. if that's where that was. Did I miss any characters that we
3: should talk about?
2: The villains: uh, Orson Krenn, director Krennic, yes. and
3: uh, and the uh, Imperial pilot. We need to talk about him yeah,
2: too. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about Krennic. Um,
0: i've seen i saw some stuff online some people maybe were down on him i thought he was good i thought he was great you know yeah. i i want i want somebody that's a little different than the villains we've seen in the other ones i want somebody that's that's got a little bit of an arc i mean he's your villain you're only gonna go, go do so much with him um but i i i i thought that was a good bit yeah. between him and Tarkin and you know his little and invader and, and sort of the emperor um you know he, he was he was a little bit more Petty, I guess, mm-hmm. and human than some of the other. I, I liked him, I Which thought, I he was, thought was
2: perfect because I think the risk, especially in this era of Star Wars, is if you have a really big bad villain, you risk overshadowing Vader and moth Turkin. But Krennic doesn't do that, and I, I think that's actually kind of my one of my problems with Force Awakens. You know, you have Snoke who comes in and he's this new villain, and all of a sudden. It's like he replaces the emperor, and he's overshadowing the emperor in a way. And you know, just it, it was kind of a weird, you know, it, it was a weird dynamic. But I think with Krennic, he is the petty bureaucrat who wants to—he wants to be in the big leagues. He wants to overshadow Tarkin. He wants to be, get the emperor's favor, but he can't. He's not good enough. And it's—I just thought it was really interesting to see a villain who you know, is kind of in that odd position where he's not. You know, he, he he is jostling for power in his own hierarchy. And Tarkin is, Tarkin is as much an antagonist for Krennic as Jyn Erso and the Rebels were. Yeah, and that was
0: definitely a unique um, take on a Star Wars villain. Like, I, I can't think of other ones that have been...
3: Just the idea that, that you know, Snoke is... I have a problem with Snoke because, you know, at this seven films in, you can't just bring someone out of nowhere and say, "Exactly, yeah, Oh, he's got the force and he's going to complete Kylo Ren's training and stuff. It's like, wait, 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 wait. But Orson Krennick talking to Darth Vader, getting, you know, force choked over asking, can I have Grand Moff <laughs> Tarkin's parking spot is awesome. You know, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. that's, that's, that sort of dynamic is really cool.
0: Yeah. So how did you guys feel about the, um, the CG Tarkin? So, you know, for me, the the first time I saw him, well, honestly, the first time we saw him, you see, like, the back of his head, and I thought, you could just barely see a reflection in, like, the, the glass, and I thought, yeah, he's not going to turn around, we're not going to, because, again, I didn't know, I hadn't followed, so I, I realized it was public knowledge now, from reading now, but I didn't know, because I hadn't paid attention to that, Um, so I thought, yeah, that's all, we're never going to, he's not going to turn around, you know, and then he turned around, and then I was like, wow, okay, I mean, it, he takes me out of it because he looks like CG, but this is this is kind of cool and all right. I, I, I'm not sure exactly why they felt they had to do this because we remember the disappointment in you know Tron Legacy, and that's for as much as I love that movie, that that dates it every time I watch it. But even at that point, I'm like, well, they're not going. We're not going to see him again, you know. Um, and then we did. And then we saw him again and again. Mm-hmm. And he turned out to be a far more significant character. I mean, he was he was just another one of the main characters. And, there it, was, no...
3: and, and it made me like Grand Moff Tarkin more. And, and yeah. I think that with, uh, with his character, what you're talking about, Brian, I think you can get away with that with his character. You can do two hours of him with that. I don't think you can do two hours of Carrie Fisher the same way. Yeah. I think it mm-hmm. doesn't hold up. But for him, I think it works.
2: Yeah. I am usually very sensitive to bad CG. Like, I don't know if you watch Westworld, but they had a brief scene with Anthony Hopkins and they, they used CG to make Anthony Hopkins look younger. Mm-hmm. And I thought it looked incredibly fake. And I'm, I'm usually the first to spot it, but I thought Turkin looked, in this movie, I, I, you know, amazing for, the, considering the fact that the actor passed away over 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking for flaws. And I could I could tell that, I could tell that there were some issues, but if I didn't know the actor had passed away, I might not have picked up on I might not have even, even noticed anything.
0: Um it's very anecdotal, but I've read a couple of things online where some people were like, I was with somebody who didn't really know Star Wars or hadn't seen the other movie in the original movie in many years and didn't remember it or whatever yep. and that they were not conscious of they didn't realize he was CG. I don't know for certain that's true, but I've that's read funny. a couple of wow. different <laughs> places where people I was
2: said I was I was with I was with people who were in that position and um yeah they they we were we were debating if it was an actor with a uh, makeup or or cg
3: They're like that tarkin guy's good he's gonna get more work I
2: think he's- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's
3: his
0: agent?
2: check out his imdb profile <laughs>
0: so i don't know if i mean you know maybe maybe i'm overly critical because i know who Peter Cushing is, not because I yeah, know he's been dead yeah.
3: for twenty years, yeah. yeah.
2: But that's the thing: like, if you know, if you know what to look for, you can find, the, you can find the flaws. But it what I didn't, I didn't think it was.
3: I'd rather have you know, it than not have it. I thought, I thought it was good enough; it worked for the movie.
2: Like Brian said, it added to the story. It added to that dynamic. critic. It was. It was well used. Yeah. It wasn't just fan service. Yeah. Now,
0: except though, except Leia. Because oh, I feel like was. everybody agrees yeah. that maybe yeah. her CG was lacking. So CG
3: I wonder... was lacking, but I, I really can't imagine that film any other way. You know, it really when you I mean the only other way I could see it ending without that is just her back turned, but seeing her face really puts a positive spin on the whole thing. You know, it yeah. really does on a, such a dark ending.
2: I guess I just wish it could have been a little better,
3: or yeah. I,
2: I don't oh, or just even Leia from behind. I mean, when you see the when you see the the dress, you know mm-hmm. who it is.
3: Yeah, and that and that that could have worked too, and that that certainly could have worked too. Yeah, I, I thought that's how it would be, but I, it didn't bother me because it was so short.
2: Yeah, like the the one second. Yeah, exactly.
0: What do you guys think it would be like? I mean, it, you know, especially between with Tarkin and Leia, but in so many ways, there's so many we could, we could talk for hours about all the things they did to make this movie feel like it really did take place. Like it was made right before um, A New Hope, you know, in so many ways. Like what what would it feel like to watch this movie and then immediately watch A New Hope? I mean, would you think it would be as seamless as they were going for
3: I think you might watch it and go, you, you go right into A New Hope and you'd be like, what just happened to the production value? You know? <laughs> Why is the camera locked off and all these shots? You know, it would, it would be completely evident to you, the film stock and everything. So I never buy that it's going to – in order to make this movie – Feel like it could seamlessly go into the next one. You'd have to shoot it in a way that would be really unsatisfying for 2016.
2: But hmm. well, and that's always been an issue for Star Wars. I mean, even if you look at yeah, you know, I think even between the New Hope and the Empire, you can tell there's some pretty big differences. Or or the, the original trilogy and the prequels. I mean, the prequels and the original trilogy don't line up particularly well for in a lot of ways. So right. I don't know. That doesn't really bother me too much. I think people are just gonna have to accept that this is a big franchise spanning 40 years. And, you know, it's, the, 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 it's not all gonna line up perfectly.
3: I like the idea that they could continue to make movies that would make bridge episode three and episode four. Cause this one's a pretty good one. If you could make it two or three more, I think there'd be a really nice transition, I think.
0: Yeah. If someone had never seen a Star Wars movie before, when would you say to watch this movie?
3: Oh my God. <laughs> Not until you've seen, you know, at least the other at least the original three, I think.
2: yeah, I think I'm a big fan of starting of doing chronologically, so four, five, six, one, two, three.
3: We mean chronologically by release date. by release
2: date, yes, by release yes. date.
3: I think so too.
2: because a rogue one, like we said before, Rogue one depends on a new hope for a lot of the context, not the other way around.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I don't, like, I did not need Rogue One to inform my understanding of A New Hope, but I, I wouldn't really care about Rogue One as much without A New Hope.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it's funny, you know, for me, again, listeners of our podcast and 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 anybody who knows me, <laughs> I've been dreaming about this um, theater that I'm going to build in my home, and I'm very close, I'm the closest I've ever been, and uh, it's also going to work out so that my son, who has not seen Star Wars movie, we he, we did play him Force Awakens a year ago, but he hasn't seen the other movies. Um, it should all come together around the same time. So I've been thinking about what order would I play him the Star Wars movies. I kind of settled on flashback order, which is episode wise, uh, four, five, one, two, three, six, and there are a lot of great reasons for that. You know, you get you get the the all the great things with starting with the New Hope. Um, um, but then you, and you still get the, the surprise of, of Vader is, is Luke's, Luke's father, but then you can go back and do the whole story before you go and conclude with Jedi. You're not ending on the downside of the down note of, of three. So I liked the flashback order, but after watching this movie, I was kind of thinking about, you know, if I was trying to slip this movie in there, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right somehow. It 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 is. And that's. That's kind of getting back to how we started. In that sense, it feels like standalone.
3: Yeah, you wouldn't necessarily say, I'm going to show you all the alien movies and that start with Prometheus. You know, yeah, so.
2: yeah, yeah. But this, this Star Wars, is, these are movies you're going to watch many, many times over your life. So, yeah, the first time you watch them, it might be a certain way. But I think most of us, when we watch Star Wars, you know, we might put in Empire, we might put in whichever movie we feel like. You know, we—it's we we do—you—we probably aren't doing very many marathons of all eight, eight movies now. So I don't know. It just—it doesn't really bother me.
3: Brian Williams does do marathons of <laughs> movies, and I'm not exaggerating; he literally does it.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean, Empire is my favorite, but I don't. Yeah, I don't think in my adult life I have watched Empire just just put in Empire. Oh really? Yeah, I don't. I I. I don't think I've watched um, uh, Star Trek three by itself, <laughs> even though it's my favorite Star Trek movie. You know, it's in that trilogy. I don't know. Okay, I'm weird. Uh, okay, <laughs> another thing I want to talk about. So, uh, Dom, you had mentioned that you know that this movie is so different than other Star Wars movies. Yeah. Um, certainly, one of those ways is that it it does kind of feel like a war movie. Yeah. Um, I think I think bringing up bringing up Private Ryan is fair. Um, that that last act. You know, there, there was a part of me watching this movie that 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 was satisfied and enjoying it, but a little bored um, the first time I saw it, until the last act. Mm-hmm. And then the last act is, you know, that that whole the whole battle is is great. And when I watched it a second time, by the way, I mean I I was less bored until that moment. Yeah. But that 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 battle sequence at the end is so well constructed and well designed. And, yeah. and and structured and the editing is fantastic. The way it's jumping between the different scenes. And that's one of those things that we all think of in star Wars movies, you know, that climax where it's jumping between different Mm -hmm. sections and and this did it phenomenally well. Um, But even in that fight, in that battle sequence, you've got, you've got a handheld camera chasing people along the beach. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And it's got a, a grit to it, a reality to it Mm -hmm. that, unquestionably, makes it less of a kid's movie than we've ever seen. Yeah. You know, um, when I was talking, like, water cooler talk at my office, the first thing a couple of people said, I like this more than any other Star Wars movie because it wasn't for kids. I don't know if I go quite as far as to say not in any way, but definitely, unlike a year ago when I played Force Awakens for my now five-year-old, I'm not planning to see him this one, not because I think it would be inappropriate, but because I think it would be, there's no way he would have fun watching this movie.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, how far are we going into spoilers? Uh, spoiling is totally fair game. Well, yeah. So I think the fact that everybody dies in a Disney movie is amazing. You know, just and what what other movie produced by Disney, even even looking at Marvel or Pixar? Pulp Fiction. Pulp <laughs> <laughs> Fiction.
0: Yeah. yeah, but Disney sold Merrimax, didn't they?
3: That's right. That's right. But they were Disney-owned. It was Disney-owned at the time.
2: That's right. Okay. Okay. Fair enough.
3: <laughs> but you're, I get your point. You're totally Yeah. Right. But that was the point that my son, a five-year-old, turned to me in the theater. And I know we shouldn't say the movie should be five-year-olds. But he did turn to me after Chirrut Imwe died. And he said, is everybody going to die in this movie? <laughs> and I just said, no. And I you're like, know. yes. Yeah. And the only other thing he actually he, he turned to me about was when when Cassie Andor shot the Shot his informant at the beginning. He goes, "Why did he shoot him?" Mm.
2: But I I don't. I think that's actually. I think it's. It's not just that it's dark and gritty, but it's also this has been a problem for Star Wars. I don't know how how much you follow um, the Clone Wars and some of the other um, parts of the Star Wars universe, but Star Wars has had a problem killing off characters. A lot of the characters keep coming back to life, like Darth Maul, the 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 Sith who died and that was supposedly killed in Episode One. He is now in the cartoon series, running around. And yep. he's still in Rebels. Yep, he's still he's still kicking. Um, and it just seems to be, it, it there does seem it does seem to be like if if the powers that be see a use for a character in the franchise, they don't kill them off. So the fact that they killed all these characters off and didn't try to build a spin-off movie or or, or you know market books, you know, and the fact that nobody said, hey, if we kill the characters off, we're gonna we're, we aren't gonna sell as many toys. Um, Because nobody wants a figure, a dead action figure. (laughs) You know that's great. Yes, well, that's that's seriously. That's why they didn't get a Grand Moff Tarkin figure in the nineteen eighties. Sure. Because Hasbro said, or nineteen seventies, Hasbro said nobody wants a a figure of a dead imperial guy, so we're not making that figure.
3: We didn't have a Grand Moff Tarkin figure. I thought we did. We didn't. No, no,
2: not in the nineteen seventies.
3: Okay. I, I, my, my thought on it is that, and I think it's cool because it's like you know, if I was a younger person, I'd be saying the same thing. Why can't they kill these people? And everybody loves that, especially when, when you're in your twenties or not. You want every character to die. <laughs> when I, when, when, when someone, when someone dies in a Star Wars film, I consider them dead, in the canon, as I do with Darth Maul and all those other characters. But I always know that expanded universe is just going to run with it. You know, they're going to make mm-hmm. games and toys and stuff. And you know, speaking of this movie where every character dies, season they've already shown images online of and a little trailer for Forrest Whitaker's character. Who, granted, yeah. granted he can't, he was around in, in the Clone Wars cartoon, but I I honestly can't. They can't maybe the same name, but it doesn't look or sound or feel like the same character from the Clone Wars cartoon to me. Mm-hmm. But they're putting him into Rebels or whatnot, and I would expect that. K two SO and a bunch of these other characters, Cassie and Andor. Oh yeah. They're not they're not dead as far as the expanded universe goes and they're just gonna run forever and ever and ever. And that's yeah. kind of, you know, where where Darth Vader is, is there Disney's and and I think one of the reasons why movies like this are gonna get made is I think they know how popular Darth Vader is, so they have to make content that's gonna have that character in and it just can't be cartoons.
0: Yeah, just to wrap up this concept of—is it okay that this movie isn't as much for kids, or is that not even accurate? You want to answer, answer that question? I, I, we, we all agree that it was a that it was a ballsy choice by Disney, and surprising that they did it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not—I'm not just talking about the ending. I mean, tonally, like that—that that war sequence and stuff—is um, not are, are we? Are we? Um, are we even – is it unfair to even say that? Is it not really that much of a war movie? We're just saying it as compared to other Star Wars movies and
3: – Compared to Star Wars – well, you know, the director of – I can't remember the guy's name directed uh, Empire Strikes Back, Kershner. You know, Kershner said a, a kiss in a Star Wars scene is a sex scene for Star Wars. You know what I mean? Yeah, By <laughs> yeah. By that nature, this movie isn't just saving Private Ryan. It's Black Hawk Down for Star Wars, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but I, you know, now that, now that it's out there and they've, they've done this, I think we can be more prepared. It is jarring at first, you know, at least for children, because I know it's what it was like to see Transformers the movie the first time and see Optimus Prime die and see all these characters suffer. That was hugely different than what we saw in the cartoon leading up to it. So now that the, we know that, OK, these standalone movies aren't necessarily going to follow the same moral, have the same moral center as these episodic films, I think it's fine moving forward from here.
2: Yeah, and this this was as dark and gritty as this was. We weren't. We didn't see any any rebels troops with guts hanging out of them or anything <laughs> like that, um, which was wasn't Private Ryan. But
3: mm-hmm.
2: the other thing I think is interesting about the movie too is I think it's it's a war movie, but it's also a Star Wars movie. Like I don't. I never felt like during Rogue One that I wasn't watching a Star Wars movie. Um, and one of the things that I feel like it does. Um, Pretty well. Maybe not perfectly, but I think it, it starts off darker. You know, Cassian Andor, Cassian Andor kills the informant. It's a bit darker at first. The rebellion's a bit more desperate. But over time in the movie, the characters start to get hope. And, you know, they hit you over the head of it a bit with this, with Jyn Erso's speech in the middle of the film. But I think it's appropriate because by the end of the film, I felt like, okay, the, the main characters died. But they succeeded. We're seeing the embers of hope. We're seeing hope rekindled in the galaxy, and it had a very Star Wars feel to it. You know, so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just all the characters die and the Empire triumphs. And you know, it it was it was a very it, it had a very bittersweet ending almost. It was just, it was a success. People were fighting back against evil.
3: There there were moments that it didn't feel like Star Wars to me, but it felt like somebody was doing something in the Star Wars universe and particularly you know uh, I would say that Forrest Whitaker's moments they started to feel a lot like blue velvet to me you know especially when he was inhaling the <laughs> stuff and he started going crazy or not, it really did seem like Dennis Hopper to me that didn't seem Star Wars to me but I, at least it felt like the Star Wars universe, and and if, and if I could just wedge this one thing in here, because I know we haven't talked about the Imperial pilot, Imperial cargo pilot yet. I'm
2: no,
0: sorry.
3: I'm so used to seeing Imperials be all these, uh, and I'm not saying I want to change the nationality of a character, but I thought that the Imperial Empire was this kind of fascist organization where everybody was the you know, white Aryan Anglo-Saxon sort of thing like that. So it always struck me as odd as that that the person they chose to play the defecting Imperial part pilot didn't fit that idea of what someone working for the Empire so was he was he like, you know, Mikael from Mikhail's navy that he press ganged into the Empire because he had a cargo ship? I don't know. It's weird for me. Mm. Yeah,
2: it's
3: true. I mean we
0: are a lot closer to the all the all those troopers being clones, you know, than we are to episode seven, uh, you know, enlisted at birth or whatever, like Finn, you know, um, brainwashed or whatever happens to them. Um, but yeah, I he, he was interesting, but again, I, I wanted more, you know, I wanted to know more, but, it, you know, it's an ensemble movie, so he's the kind of character where I forgive it. Um, I, there was a part of me, and, and no way we're ever going to see a scene like this, and it's fine, but, the, you know, I would have loved to have seen a scene between him and and Galen, where Galen's giving him the plans and talking him into, you know, how how he can redeem himself by doing this, that sort of thing. You know, yeah. But maybe I just wanted more
3: mads. (laughs) Yeah, that would have been
0: good. Speaking of scenes we didn't see, uh, we've been looking a lot at you know all these uh, compilations of you know clips that were in the trailers that were never in the movie. There's obviously a totally different edit of this movie out there, you know, Uh, multiple probably um, that I really don't think we're ever going to see. But it it does seem way more extreme than. Any other film in recent memory, as far as the movie they had, and then they went back and did, you know, multiple rounds of reshoots and, and changing and changing. And usually when you hear that much stuff, like that there's that many problems, and it's got a release date that doesn't budge, you know, um, usually that, that's a bad sign. I mean, it's probably going to end up being a bad movie. But uh, the one the one shot I keep coming back to, I think Brian and I we talked about it is uh, that that shot where she's up there by the dish, and she's going out to the end of that platform, and then that tie fighter like comes up. Yeah. You know the shot that yeah. was in the trailers that wasn't in the movie. I wanted yeah. to see that shot.
3: Yeah, me too. I thought I thought a lot about that shot and uh, and how it would appear in the movie and how cool it was it would be, you know, and not seeing it was really kind of awkward.
0: You know, I, I, it, I it makes me. It makes me wonder, like, how much stuff in there there's, – there's lots of reason to put things in there, you know, if it's going to be visually interesting or whatever. But, but how much stuff did they take out so that they could specifically put in those structural things that were needed to, to make the story go along? Be- and I ask this for a specific reason. You know, talking about, like, one of the speeches that Jin gives, I did kind of feel like th- – there were so many times when I felt like, like I was – seeing the script, you know, like I was seeing into the structure and I don't like feeling that way. Mm. Like when she runs and saves that little girl during that first fight on, uh, Jada? Jada, 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 Jada,
3: Volkswagen, Volkswagen's planet.
0: Yeah. That's like, (laughs) okay, we need to have her save a little kid and that'll endear the audience to her. Okay. She's got to give a speech like this. And we had like several of those speeches that she gives, you know, Mm -hmm. um, uh, the the scene when when Galen dies and she's with him. and, and I mean I, I, I like that scene, but you know, that scene is there structurally to elicit a certain response in the audience and to make you feel a certain way about her. Uh, and we have kind of seen that scene a million times in a million movies. Um, there were just there were just so many times in this movie that I kind of felt the structure of it I, and I kind of I was thinking about was this just was this added <laughs> to do this? you know, as opposed to say, um, I don't know. Inside Out, I don't know why. Because my my, my son borrowed that movie yesterday morning, so it was, I thought of, I'm thinking of it. That movie, I think you can see the structure,
2: but it still works. I can like I can see the structure, and I still feel something like you know. Well, I actually felt the opposite about those two movies. I, I felt like, and we're not even really talking about Inside Out, so I won't go too far into that <laughs> and why I felt felt like that. But um, I I, I did feel there was a bit of attention sometimes with the fan service. Um, you know, but not 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 Tarkin because then again, Tarkin played a role in the story. But there there are definitely a few scenes like um, when they encounter the Cantina aliens on Jeddah, Ponda Baba, and uh, Doctor Evazin or during the battle over scarif at the very end, they actually take the time to show you Red Five and how Red Five dies, which then sets up yeah for a new hope. You know, Luke's call sign is is Red Five, so he takes that pilot's. Call sign. It's like, did you really need to? Sh- did, did we really need to know that? Um, And again, those well, both, you know, the very, very brief instances in the movie. But again, you know, time is valuable real estate in in, in cinema. So the time to get dedicated to Red 5 probably could have been better spent somewhere else.
3: Well, they, they should have spent it with one line of dialogue saying, the Kyber Crystals are so powerful that not only can they. Power at Jedi's lightsaber, but if you put a group of them together and point light through them, they have the power to destroy an entire planet. That's all I wanted to hear—just someone actually say it out in a way that was very clear. Because I've heard Pablo Hidalgo say that, but I didn't hear anybody in the film actually make the connection from one thing to the other. It's true. It's it's it's
2: always tough for us Star Wars fans, I think, to really judge these movies objectively because we bring a lot of knowledge to this. Like I, I have I have a I have a pretty deep. Understanding of the context, and you know, I, I, w- I went to the movie with some people who did not, and they seemed to enjoy it, and they felt like they understood that everything that was going on. But yeah, I do kind of wonder a bit how much that colors are. Like you know, I think I, I I imparted more character depth to some of these characters knowing mm. knowing a bit about them before I go before I went into the, into the film. So you know, it's, it's tough to escape that, but it's, it's just a thing that's just kind of part of watching a Star Wars movie.
3: When I, when I I watched, uh, uh, Force Awakens, I was pretty fine with it as a, I mean, I'm not saying I really loved it, but, uh, you know, I thought it was a complete product and I wasn't, I'm just, okay, hopefully we get more in the second film, you know, the film that follows this. But the unique thing about this film is, 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 It makes me feel the way I felt when I first saw an image of Biggs Darklighter on Tatooine. You know, it took me 20 years to be able to see that footage of Biggs on Tatooine. Finally showed it to us at Comic-Con in 97. That's how I feel about the first cut of Rogue One. I'm like, I want to see that movie now. This movie is just a, a shadow of another movie that I really, really, really want to see. I want to see that other film that they had so much more footage for and you know completed effect shots before and it's just sitting yeah. in alt somewhere and I hope we get to see it one day.
2: I don't know if I need to see that film. I guess when I first heard the reshoots, I thought this was Disney coming in and toning down the war film aspect. But again, given that everybody dies at the end of the film, it, it, it seems like Disney wasn't out to disney this film. I wouldn't mind an extended cut of this film and I, I would love... I would love to get an extended cut. I know the Star Wars films typically haven't been, haven't done a lot of extended cuts, but I think this film could really benefit from more character moments, more dialogue. But
3: we'll see. Well, when you when you when you see the uh, shot, the shot that's that was wasn't released, you know, it wasn't in the finished film, where you see Jin and Cassian and K two S O, and they're running through a corridor uh, on that final planet, and she's got that that the information that information just strapped to her right away that tells you that k2so did not die uh outside there and that was a totally different ending so that means and and then you see footage of her on the beach and she's got the same thing that means that there's a something very different existed at one point i'm not saying it's better or worse i'm just saying it makes me want to see that and as all star wars stuff usually used to do it made me oh god what did i miss what didn't i see mm. i don't feel that as much you know when i'm watching force awakens like oh please i was glad to see that snow vehicle thing with you know with uh, uh, the two main characters that we didn't see before and i'm curious to see how it fit in but this thing's like oh my god there's so, there's more and more evidence that there's another movie out there that we haven't seen yet
0: yeah and i guess what i was getting at earlier that it that it's unlike other movies. It seems like this that this other version of the movie is such a different movie yeah. mm. that I don't think we're going to see it. Because I mean, you, because it, you, you know, always know there's going to be
3: reshoots, right? You know every movie has reshoots, but not like this.
0: Not like this. So whenever it's a, you know small little differences, or we we cut this scene for time, or we, this scene felt redundant, so we cut it. Those are the kind of things where we might get to see them, even if we don't see a longer cut, we might just see them as separate. But this this feels like honestly they made such drastic changes that they thought the movie was bad or had serious problems or, you know, that they wrote whole new scenes um, in a way that makes me think they are never going to want us to see <laughs>
3: the original cut. I know, it's crushing. I want to see it.
2: Which, again, though, I don't... like. I, I, I haven't heard anything about this original cut that makes me think that this is some, some hidden gem. Like, if, if we had gotten... If this movie came out and, you know, everybody survived and there was no you know if this is a war where nobody gets hurt yeah i would have said okay maybe this is disney fight but like i don't i don't like what's
3: in terms of we're not, substance, saying, we're guess, not saying it's a hidden gem it could be yeah. a hidden lump of coal yeah oh, but the it's, fact but it's I so different it, the fact it's that, so that yeah. i can't see it makes me really yeah. Really, really yeah, really
0: yeah. Want like to see fantastic it. four is a good example yeah. you know i i didn't care for it uh what we got and and i have a feeling that the original edit was even worse but i know that it's so completely different. Not just better yeah. or worse. It's so totally. It's like a different movie yeah. that I'd be very interested to see. That I would, I would,
3: totally I would love it. to see that movie. And, and and start. And this is the same. You never hear about this thing happening. This sort of thing happening with a Star Wars movie. And and we. I know there's the first cut of a New Hope is very different, and it has a lot. Of, mm-hmm. There's rear projection stuff with the, with the um with the land speeder and stuff, and apparently the. The end sequence wasn't filmed that way. It wasn't that the Death Star was going to... That, that's great. I mean, but I would still love to see that version just to see, okay, here's another version of...
2: Something. Oh, yeah. Well, Star Wars is the type of franchise where that might actually happen. I mean, there are enough fans who dig up this material. And I don't know if you heard at... Um, I didn't get to see this, but at the uh, recent Star Wars celebration, somebody actually put... Um, restored some of the original music to Empire Strikes Back because they noticed that a lot of the tracks... On the Empire Strikes Back soundtrack were not in the movie, so he went back, reinserted it into the movie to see what it would sound like, you know, what the movie would, how the movie would be different. So, if if any movie, if it's going to happen for any movie, I would, I, just, I wouldn't be surprised if that maybe happens, if maybe maybe forty years from now. Yeah, you know, at some Star Wars celebration, two thousand or whatever. Now that it's not. George, um,
0: yeah, yeah, controlling what exists and doesn't. As much as I love George, that is a big difference. Hey, maybe we'll get to hear that guitar solo playing over the uh, Coruscant chase. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of of music, one of the last things we're we're running out of time here. But uh, what how'd you, what'd you guys feel about uh, how'd you guys feel about Michael Chikine's score as a Star Wars spin off, John Williams score spin off. What would you think? <laughs> you want to take this one first?
2: <laughs> so, uh, again, last year, my reaction to Force Awakens was very different in that I said the soundtrack in Force Awakens was barely there during the film. Mm-hmm. But if you listen to it on the soundtrack, which I have a lot since, since uh, last year, it's actually a very good soundtrack and there are some really interesting themes. I feel the exact opposite about Cicchino's score for Rogue One. In the movie, I definitely noticed it. I thought it worked for the most part in the movie. It wasn't an amazing soundtrack. But now that I'm listening to it alone, um, just like on my on my iTunes, um, as a soundtrack, it's not particularly interesting or powerful. There really aren't any recognizable themes that are sticking out. Nothing like even Ray's theme from Force Awakens. I don't know maybe maybe i need to give it some time it's only been a few days
3: well john williams always gives you one awesome thing i mean he so you get you know you have the original trilogy of movies which have all the cues that you know and love and they're reprised throughout the movies and then you get to the prequels and then it doesn't do that which is Heartbreaking for me because I I don't care who's winning and who's who's good and who's bad. I think you should hear the bad the the Darth Vader's theme or the Empire's theme for the bad guys, you know. And I think you should hear Luke Skywalker's theme. I hate calling it that. It's the Star Wars theme to me when the good guys are operating. But at least he gave you you know Anakin's theme for the first one, uh, Duel of the Fates for the first one, um, uh, Battle Beyond the Across the Stars from the second one prequel. And then do and then uh, Battle of the Heroes from the Third film, and then when you get just like you mentioned from Force Awakens, you get Ray's theme. I would have liked one thing that stood out from here and said, "Okay, well, this is Jin's theme, or this is that." And if Jin had a theme, I don't know what it was.
0: Yeah. Well, the movie—I mean, he had once that dun, 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 dun I'm, I'm not doing the right notes, but it's the right rhythm. You know, that's the, like the one theme that he that he kind of had, and he did some variations on it. But honestly, I thought that one theme was so bland. Yeah. And I'm a Huge Taquino fan, obviously. Star Trek.
3: But wasn't it like the little, like giving you just a taste of the Star Wars theme, and then it just pulls away another. direction? Yeah, like
0: that first kind of interval jump that is is what it kind of feels like. But the only times I found myself really enjoying his music yeah. was when he was just, it was John Williams' bits, you know, when he was doing those those themes, and that's not fair. So I I, I also I you know I, I agree that maybe this is the kind of thing where repeated listenings will change for me but it, but it lit, watching the movie the second time i thought the music it, it serves its purpose yeah but i don't really have i don't find myself having a desire to listen to it outside of the movie at all in a way that i have
3: it's also jarring because of the the way that the movie opens it's almost the way that when you see the beginning of like daniel craig's first james bond movie you don't actually get the gun barrel sequence like Whoa, what's going on over here you know mm-hmm. and that's kind of the way i feel about watching this and you know, not getting the opening crawl, which I think opening crawls are fine. They do them on the video games. They do them on other things. I think that, you know, some people probably could have benefited from having a little bit of, of backstory to this because there's absolutely nothing. It's just, just, you just, you're in it. You're You're there. You better know what's going on <laughs> when the movie starts.
0: I didn't mind not having the crawl. I didn't mind limiting the crawl to the proper films, whatever you want to call those. You know, we got a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and I mean, mm-hmm. that was, if we hadn't had that, I think I'd be complaining.
3: Mm-hmm. I don't want to see the crawl in front of Han Solo's film. I think it's, I hope it starts, <laughs> off, I hope it starts off like Jango and or something like that. It is, <laughs> it, it, it is a time of great
2: turbulence in Han's life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Han Solo has just hit puberty. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Last thing, uh, I, I mentioned it at the head of this conversation, so we'll come full circle. I talked about uh, I thought how great I thought it was to see a badass Vader that we heard about but never actually got to see in the movies, albeit briefly. Um, the fact that he's not in the movie for very much does it? Uh, did it feel like a gimmick to use him? I, I don't feel this way, but I've I've seen people talk like it like. Like it was, he, like his first scene, for example, was superfluous. And maybe from the point of view of taking it out of the movie, the movie still works. It's true, but I liked it myself. What, you know, what? How did you guys feel about? There
3: is, there is more television and film, feature film footage of Anakin Skywalker before he was Darth Vader than there is of Darth Vader. So the idea that they could take him here and make Darth Vader a mysterious character again, and a mysterious and scary character is. It just that's an achievement of itself that is just amazing because i feel like we know the guy inside out and we've seen everything about his from nine years old all the way up right in time he puts on the mask and then even after that so the idea that he could be mysterious and scary hats off to them for pulling that one off all right
0: anything else you guys wanted to make sure we hit
3: i mean i guess i would say just overall
2: um this is a movie that i thought could have gone very badly and it did not, whatever the, and that's, I, I think that's maybe why I'm so positive. I sound so positive about this, no matter, you know, I, 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 I agree about some of the, the, the flaws and the structural issues, but this is far from, from a mess of a film. It's far from a bad film. Yeah, I can't think
0: of a better compliment than to say I too have great preconceptions sitting down to watch a star Wars movie. I mean, I'm already making it very hard for the movie, right? Um, it's uh, i i expect way more out of a star wars movie than i even did again the fantastic beasts comparison you know mm-hmm. um and i still thought it was good and i walked out of it thinking you know it's was kind of linear the characters weren't very deep whatever um and i still thought it was good
3: yeah i i agree and i know that we're all just doing inside baseball uh, pulling it apart but yeah i think it's it's good too as an achievement but i i would like to ask you guys a question and that is You know, you usually get three years between Star Wars films and it's only been one, you know, in three months, we're going to get a trailer for or teaser trailer for Episode 8. Does Star Wars still feel special? And will it continue to feel special knowing that it's on TV every week as a series? There's lots of you know comic books and games and of course a movie every year. you know even you know Marvel pulls off the movie every year, but those movies are very different.
0: Actually, it's a good comparison though because Marvel is actually more than one movie per year. I was thinking about that because I definitely would not want more than one per year. I don't think there's any way that I can I could build up excitement in that scenario. No, I still remember um, I mean The Matrix is in my top 10 favorite movies of all time and I thought The Matrix sequel was excellent. And I still wasn't excited for the third one because it came out six months later, <laughs> you
3: know. Um, so it start, is it still is it still special though? Because like I said, it's it's really you know unique. I mean, we went to two different uh, Force Fridays in a row, you know, and annually, and you know if it's it's annual, then it's the Super Bowl. <laughs> is it still special?
2: Mm. Um, it's a good question. I don't I don't have a definitive answer. We've only been in, in two of these movies so far. Um, and I think the way it's been special for me has maybe changed from the way it was special when I was younger. And you know, when I was younger, it being special meant I would just dive into all like the the expanded universe stuff or the books or the toys, and you know get into you know kind of have time to play the Star Wars and have it be my own. Now it's special, especially that it's, now that it's coming around around Christmas, it's something that I do with my family. You know, my sisters, my parents. Um, you know, all of our family will get together and see the latest Star Wars movie You know, that we, we share it together. So it's special in that way, too. I think in my ideal world, and this is not going to happen under, under Disney, we'd maybe see a movie every year and a half or two years just to kind of give, you know, to give fans a bit more time to appreciate the movie. You know, I do feel like with Force Awakens, um, we had a few weeks in which to just kind of really dig into Force Awakens. And then, a lot of people are already kind of shifting onto the next thing but I also don't know if that's going to be realistic in today's movie environment where you know even if it's not Star Wars there's going to be something else competing for people's attention and maybe that's just like back in the early like back in the 70s and 80s there's nothing but Star Wars if you want you know if you wanted that kind of a sci-fi fantasy pop culture there was basically Star Wars and then yeah Star Trek was around too but you know it's, it wasn't as, it wasn't as big um, you know, there's no Marvel, no. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's just not possible to recapture what we had in the '80s. Hmm. But I don't, I don't, I don't. I think Rogue One is reassuring me that we can still get a lot of Star Wars films, and it, it we're not. Yeah, at least right now, I'm not worried about declining marginal quality.
0: Yeah, well, I, I have two comments. One, it helps that these movies are so like, like disparate narratively it's not we didn't get narr- we didn't get episode eight one year after uh episode seven yeah you know we got this spin-off thing that isn't even a spin-off of that same time period you know so that is making them still feel different enough for me um but more to your question as far as you know getting excited um or you know or is it still does it still feel special i kind of I, i'm very interested to see the episode eight box office numbers compared to episode seven and rogue one. Nobody expected rogue one to do episode seven numbers. It still did well, you know, and, and, and these numbers are important. These, these talk about these, these say what, you know, how excited people were to go see the movie, especially when it first opened, you know, but I, I guess I'm wondering, is episode eight going to do, you know, I don't expect it to do as well as episode seven, but is it going to do better than rogue one?
3: Luke Skywalker. <laughs> My answer to that is Luke Skywalker. I mean, just to be—they have it that they, they almost—it almost seems like a financial move just to keep him out of the first one, so that they can put him in the second one. And and I'm sure that there is something that we haven't even thought of yet that that, that is reserved for Episode Three, and you'll see it at the very end of Episode Two. <laughs> we talked about
0: a year ago. I remember talking to you, maybe both you guys, but talking about. I don't know how they're going to market Rogue One. I think the average consumer is going to be confused. They're going to go sit down and think they're watching episode 8. You know, that doesn't seem to have been the case as far as even the uh, Brian and I went with a more casual fan, we can fairly say. Yes. yes. Um, and he was entirely aware that this was not episode 8 and what it, and, you know, kind of what it was generally. Yeah. So, I think I think that Star Wars in general is even more understood by the masses than I'd realized, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And they're the ones that are that are making sure that it has the crazy numbers. And the crazy numbers are the reason we're we're getting a movie every year from now until forever. I think, was it Polygon had had a headline that said, um, you will not live to see the last Star Wars movie. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I
3: love
2: that. I love that and I hate it at the same time. Yeah, same here. That's That's, yeah. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. I want them to finish every, every all the whole franchise the year before I die.
3: Well, th- th- to be honest with you, that brings about a really good question. And, and if you are going to, if you you know, episode six, it ends in a very complete way. It looks like the empire is destroyed. Yeah. For Empire Nine to be the end of this saga, that they say this is it for the Skywalker. No more episodes of this. It had better be pretty amazing, and it had better be very final in its statement about how that conflict ends that's all i have to say about that
2: i think i think for the episodes are going to end it with nine i don't think they're going to go on forever and standalones they might go on forever but not the skywalker saga will be done
0: i think that our podcast will be done (laughs) right now (laughs) um that was an excellent discussion and i am excited for star wars this movie just uh keeps me excited if it had not been good if it had been a letdown like say fantastic beasts um Boy, I'm really dogging on Fantastic Beasts today, aren't I? Mm.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, if it had been a letdown, sounds like we need to do a podcast about that again, Fantastic Beasts, because I think we could all.
0: Do yeah. It. Uh, look, it's 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 a lot easier to make a bad movie than a good movie. To make a good movie, yeah. you, you, there are so many parts to a movie, and every single part has to be good for it to be decent. Then it still doesn't mean it's going to be great. But you have any one or two parts suck. Yeah, no, um, it's it's hard. It's hard to make a good movie, and they've got a good track record now. And I'm I'm going to continue to be excited. So, God willing, we'll all be gushing about Episode Eight a year from now.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes.
0: So, uh, thank you guys so much for joining me. Um, where can people find you, uh, uh,
3: Brian? Um, if you want to remind people what you do and where they can check out your work, I do. Uh, I make. I own a company that produces film trailers and TV spots for uh, movie studios and. A lot of cool stuff for some toy companies you might know, like Hasbro. And we're at doubleplusgood.com.
2: Awesome. Uh, Dom? So I do other things in my real life, but in terms of my sci fi, Star Wars y stuff, I actually have a small blog called Nardi, Nardi Views. Um, you can follow me at Twitter at NARDIVIEWS. And you know, I, I, I just, I, I think I. Uh, my review about Rogue One is coming out tomorrow, so look for it there. Awesome!
0: All right, well, hope we uh, hope you guys can come back in a year.
3: Love to. Thanks for having us. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye. I passed it.